and leave them with themselves. You know, that's the beauty of life. It's really, it's your journey. Every one of us, it's our experience there. Um, you know, there's no external reality. It's your perception of it. It's your embodied experience of it. It's your feeling of it, right? You, you know, you don't like something. It's like, okay, maybe was it, what is it bringing up for you? What is it reminding you of what, you know, where is it taking you? It's inside of you, right? You like something. Okay. What, you know, great. What is, what is it reflecting about yourself or, you know, or what you want more of? Hello, everyone. Welcome, welcome to another episode of the Otto Gomes Show. My name is Otto Gomes. I'm your host. And today we have an awesome, inspiring, powerful individual, Sean Stone. He's a filmmaker, media host, author, actor, poet, speaker, and above all, truth seeker and spiritual activist. After decades of working on ways to communicate a deeper meaning through art and media, Sean is now at the forefront of a movement for freedom of autonomy, freedom of choice, and overall freedom of self. Thank you, Sean, for being here. I am so appreciative of your time, your energy. Thank you. Oh, it's a pleasure, man. It's good to see you. Yeah, it's good to see you too. I'm so happy that we got to meet in person uh, last year. I think it was uh, September. I think it was in Miami. And mm -hmm. um, it was so great to, to meet you in person and connect in that way. Uh, we actually went to the beach together and got to experience the ocean together, which was really awesome. So um, uh, I'm grateful for you to, for you being here and and honestly doing what you're doing and speaking about all this stuff that's happening and and making the shows that you are. Uh, I'm I'm sure that people are grateful on many levels for that. Well, yeah, you know, we just do what we do. We do what we do, and we trust that uh, you know that uh, it, it reaches some audience. Yeah, yeah, we got to normalize these conversations. Uh, I, I believe the only way to change reality is to keep speaking, keep talking, and not not feel that fear or pressure from these these uh, governments and centralized sources. So it's a, it's a great Pink Floyd song. Yeah, <laughs> talking. I don't remember, yeah, remember exactly. Just, we got to just keep talking, keep talking. Yeah. Um. So uh, what I want to do is kind of start, go back in the past, and start. Um, where you started, where, where your journey started and how you ended up here. And specifically, if we can start, when was your red pill moment, the red pill moment that kind of shook you out of the matrix and gave you that awareness to speak about this stuff? Mm. Well, I, I honestly, you know, I'm very lucky in the sense that I didn't really ever belong in the matrix. Um, you know, I've just, I've been blessed in that sense of, uh, you know, having parents who were pretty, uh, you know, pretty open as far as, you know, thought was concerned and never really, you know, feeling like I was indoctrinated into any particular tradition or, or way of seeing the world. Um, yeah, very much, you know, parents who were, uh, um, uh, you know, interested in like different religions, right? Religious comparison and, and, um, you know, always believing like in, in my mom, especially like, you know, believing in God, but never trying to define it through one path. Uh, my father obviously is a filmmaker who was making um, controversial and enlightening films in the 80s and 90s in particular um, on socio-political history. And so, you know, he was challenging um, the norm you know, with movies like Salvador about the the death squads in El Salvador and Platoon, which was, you know, showing the, the gritty dark side of the Vietnam War and the, the anti-heroism, right, of combat and uh, Born on the Fourth of July as well. And then, you know, JFK was like a total, you know, and counter mythology to the yeah. Warren Commission lone nut uh, concept. And Nixon obviously uh, was a follow up to that, like very much about, um, the, you know, some of the, the political conspiracy at, you know, at the heart of politics. So mm -hmm. it's like, you know, you, you go up with that, you know, with that kind of worldview. So it's not really, wasn't shocking to ever, you know, see things and be like, wow, my worldview was shattered. I would say that there is, there is an aspect within me that I think was, um, you know, grew, the, the aspect of me in my childhood that grew up on GI Joe, that grew up on um, this, this idealized version of, uh, America's the good guy, right? Mm -hmm. And 
even that, even like, even given like, yeah, my father's making these films about the dark side of, you know, current American history, but like there still was this, Hey, you know, like we're the good guys and, and, and we've got to, you know, go fight the bad guys concept that uh, was played out through the Iraq war one and uh, the, the Kosovo war and then Iraq too. And so I, and I think for me, it was, it was uh, deconstructing that on my own, not just through my father's perspective, but through my own, you know, understanding of, of the, the deep state, the CIA, uh, you know, black ops and the, the financial control system. Right. And that was just through high school, you know, and into college reading, uh, studying, understanding, deep politics as they call it. And, um, yeah, so there was some aspect of, you know, wanting to like, hold on to that mythology. I think all of us had a loss of innocence moment for our generation, the millennials mm -hmm. with 2001, because mm -hmm. I think our parents' generation had theirs, their loss of innocence moment during the Kennedy assassination, the world war two generation had their loss of innocence with Pearl Harbor. Right. Um, it's like, you have to go through that loss of innocence moment where it's like that fairy tale of you know the world the way that we thought it was it's not the way that that way uh 9 11 was that moment for us and then i guess maybe for the gen z it's 2020 you know with the mm -hmm. pandemic mm -hmm. yeah it's um interesting to look at history and 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 just entertainment in general and how they you know movies and tv shows they're like tied in a little nice little box and it feels good right it feels good to watch and it makes sense uh but reality is not like that <laughs> reality is is volatile and chaotic. And, and, um, I agree. I think every generation has had a moment where they had to kind of look at themselves and go, wait, what, what is going on here? And start to question or else, you know, just be deeper into the fear. And yes, mm -hmm. I agree. 2020 is this generation's, uh, Pearl Harbor, this generation's nine 11, uh, you know, all that, all that stuff. So uh, if the listeners, if you guys don't know by now, this is uh, Oliver Stone's son. Uh, Sean Stone. And I didn't want to mention it. I didn't know if you wanted to mention it. So uh, mm -hmm. you kind of aired it out there a little bit. Uh, but you guys, this is this is um, this is, a, you know, it, it, hearing the little bit that you've already shared, you were basically born into the red pill. Like you came out already with the red pill ingested. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You know, you, you, that's that's the, the syndrome of parents, to, parents, mothers that take drugs, you know, they give it to the child. So there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you had you had it. You had it in already. Um, so let's talk a little bit about uh, this last couple of years, these last two or three years um, for myself. I'll share a little bit about myself and my journey with, with that. And then you can uh, respond to yours. For me, it really was the moment. It wasn't a red pill moment for me, per se. Like I, I became very aware, very instant when that started happening. But I felt this urge to speak out to like, man, I got to I got to start talking about what's going on. I got to normalize this conversation because they've normalized it on mainstream media. And if somebody else doesn't normalize something different or at least something that's opposing it, then what are we doing here? Um, so how was it for you? When did it become real for you, personal for you, for you to start really uh, digging a little deeper into what's what was going on? You mean like um in, you're talking about like not in my high school years you're saying no no like, no in these last um oh, two or two or three years yeah 2020, oh, 2020 was like I mean, <laughs> you know when when i'm you know you've been doing what i've been doing for for decades i mean i it was, was just on, another one where i was like oh here we go again <laughs> let's go back i mean let's go back like you know 2000 2008 i made a, a short film called singularity which was about uh, a pandemic or a, a global virus you know that uh plague you know that uh, basically creates such fear that they sus they essentially suspend the constitution and they create um an ai surveillance state so it's a it's a very dystopian like blade runner-esque uh you know short film about these guardians that take people away that are you know deemed infected because the ai all-seeing ai tells you that they're infected and the whole conversation at the heart of it is like well how do you know that they're really sick and how do you know that there even is a plague and how do you know that you made this in 2008 what yeah <laughs> i can see where this is going because you know to me it's like you know you study i study history you know i got my degree in history and i just love history so i'm i'm always looking at things like okay well 2008 it was really um we were living in the patriot act era we still are but it was like mm -hmm. it was really the 2000s were dark 
dark mm -hmm. decade. I mean, to me, like where we are now is so much brighter and so much better than we were into the 2000s because people were in that fear zone of the war on, they were like in shock. You know, it's like, it's, it was almost the 2000s was like, you know, it's like you get punched in the face and you're just kind of like frozen and in shock and, and then, you know, just <laughs> yeah. kind of like start to lose your mind. Like that's the 2000s to me. It was just such a depressing decade because America had just been punched in the, in the face with that, you know, those, those towers being taken down. And it was like the darkness of it and the fear and then the surveillance state that followed. And it was, we were, I mean, I was monitoring this stuff like before, right before Facebook, remember there was like the, um, they wanted to create like a, a, an office of information awareness or something like that. Mm -hmm. And it was Poindexter who was one of the Iran Contra criminals was going to be in charge of it. And it was like, there was so much backlash against this. Yeah. And then all of a sudden like, okay, the CIA, it was, I can't remember. It was like CIA, FBI, all these different guys that were like, okay, we're going to cancel our, our surveillance program. And then like, then patent, then Facebook gets its patent. And oh my, it they, was right after. Like, yeah. Yeah. Right. Then you have like the Facebook and, but it was clear, like there was surveillance going on even before Snowden, people were talking about it. It was, it was, it was known that there was like, you know, surveillance and data mining and, and it was just clear, like, okay, once you're into this information evolution of technology, you know, the internet was blowing up in the two thousands, right? It was like, we were entering this more um, digital spaces, right? Mm -hmm. A little bit more virtual spaces. It was clear what was going to come like, okay, that's, that's information, you know, who's going to collect it, who's going to use it. So to me, it was just, it was predicting that and then recognizing that, um, viruses and plagues have always been uh one of those things that's like creates such an irrational response like mm -hmm. the same way that you know we talk about like death right our fear the of enemy death. you can't see right yeah exactly it's like war yeah. wars are things that are like you can manufacture but you know it's it's you still got to rile people up right you still gotta you got to get them motivated to go fight this you know this country right whereas with like a plague it was just like man and that was a whole debate at the core of the the short film was how do you know? Like, how do you know someone's really sick? Oh, because, you know, they, they're said they've been tested or whatever. Like they, they, you know, the AI tested them as positive. <laughs> so you're just trusting yeah. Yeah. that. And I mean, obviously we saw with the PCR testing, the same principle, right? It's like, oh, the PCR tests, even the guy that created them was like, these things can be, they're, 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 they're basically, they're going to see what you want them to see, right? You, yeah. you, you create what you up, mm -hmm. but if you're doing it for defensive purposes, it's okay. <laughs> so that's how they got around it, right? It was like if you're if you're studying how to defend against an anthrax attack, you make you can make anthrax. If you can, wow! If studying... I didn't even think about it like that. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. And if you're studying like how to create like an Ebola vaccine, you can make Ebola. I mean, it's like all these different things. That's how they got around all these different, you know, these treaties and stuff. So, um, so she was talking about this in the conspiracy theory episode, you know, that, that there was going to be an, uh, you know, basically like be careful of the vaccination agenda, be careful of just like the whole, you know, creation of viruses and just like it was inevitable, you know, and that's, that's the feeling I think that a lot of people got so every time you saw these little things pop up like a zika or in ebola it was always like okay how much is this being manufactured and being pushed and you know what's the real agenda here and then for then it all came together 2020 was just like it was so surreal because it was it was it was a fear virus like there i do you know i believe in there's that COVID is like a spike. There's a spike protein that was created and, and it has, you know, HIV and all this other crazy stuff in it. And it is, you know, it, 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 it it's a tough virus. I know people that have been sick, you know, for mm -hmm. my age who have been, you know, we're down for like weeks, you know, sometimes for months. So I think that there's truth to it, but as far as how much the fear, right, the fear played into it, that's where people like myself are just like, you know, it's like nine 11. It's like, okay, come on. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. gotta you gotta get past your fear of especially fear of death. And once you come past your fear of death, you start to really open your eyes in a different way. I believe that's the main thing that humans they know humans are have this innate fear of death, and unless they've worked on themselves and done the spiritual work, as if that fear of death is there, man, like what people what lengths will people go to? Right, we've seen it. Like how irrational, how crazy will people get if they're afraid of of death and the threat of death, or to you know to themselves or their loved ones? And that's yeah. what we saw. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. Um, you know, it's like the placebo nocebo effect and the fear, the, the, the fear that is, is being manufactured. You know, there's this fear that's being created with entertainment, media, all that. Uh, it drives actions, especially those, like you said, that didn't do, haven't done their spiritual journey or, or become aware of, of that, you know, of, of those fears that are taught. 
Um, you know, it's, I, I love that your perspective on all of this, uh, in these last 20 years, <clears throat> this is something that I'd actually never heard before where the, the two thousands were actually, uh, the dark times. And this is actually the light. Uh, and it makes sense. I'm so happy that you shared it in that way because now I'm, I am seeing it for what it is. It's, it's true. That's, you know, the darkness being, that's when we were, our eyes were covered and we were just uh, reacting from the fear and allowing or externalizing our power to these governments to, to uh, uh, you know, help us or, or secure us or make us feel safe. Um, yeah, that's powerful. Um, so I had a question. Why? Why? all of this what why did why have why create a global uh a situation that creates that much fear mm -hmm. now why now mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah so i mean so again like in terms of the timing of 2020 and there's some that theorize that this was this was being planned out uh, you know as we discussed like it was inevitable right but some people thought it was going to come out sooner um, if Hillary Clinton had won the election in 2016, that this this literally could have been unleashed um, in the wake of that, like any time between 2016 and 2020. Um, mm -hmm. You know, you think about why these things get unleashed. It's always for more control for the you know for the global government, right? Which mm -hmm. is something that I study with my um, my, my history thesis uh, at Princeton when I when I graduated. I had to write a thesis, so I got into the New World Order agenda, which was their terminology. It was the British Empire's terminology for essentially how they were going to govern. The world in the wake of the the british empire becoming a commonwealth becoming more benevolent right on the surface it's like okay we can't we can't govern through military power and in, in the same way that we could and financial control the same way we could so we're gonna kind of like shift into like a a, a, a a different face right like a friendlier mm -hmm. face mm -hmm. friendly fascism as we call it so it's like <laughs> the new world yeah. order is the global government agenda and yeah. um we've been seeing it in america for you know, for over a hundred years, you know, going to this concentration of power in the federal government, which you know is nothing like what the founders of the you know the Constitution expected, right? When they created the federal government, this bloated monster that I've heard like it's like almost half of our GDP is spent by the government at this point. You know, between contracts wow. and I mean forty percent or something like that. I mean, think about it: how many contracts the government has with every the private sector, big tech you know, military industrial complex, scientific complex, right? The big pharma companies. I mean, who was running the freaking warp speed? It was the government. It was the DOD and company, right? They were, you know, who was paying for it? And that's why I was always laughing. It's like, those shots are free. The COVID vaccines are free. I'm like, yeah, they're free. That's why big pharma is making hundreds of billions of dollars. Yeah. Who's paying them? Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's Oh, the government's paying it. Oh, that's right. That's right. It's free. Good, good job. Really, and even really, the rewards, they're like, "Hey, come get free donuts, and we'll give right. you some, give you a free shot." It's like exactly. <laughs> Every one of those shots is how much you know, uh, hundred bucks. I don't know. You know, whatever it was, you know, it was paid, was paid for by someone else is the point. So, for you, it's free, but you know, yeah. whatever they take out of your taxes. Um, yeah. So the point is, we've seen this explosion of the federal government. So everything I see, as far as like um these agendas it's always a concentration of power you know it's it's always about um you know financially like reallocating money into into the hands of the you know the the elite the global financial elite um yeah i mean it's like the best way to control people is through fear and um and manipulation of you know that's what i, fo I focused on in my docu-series that i put out uh best kept secret it's called uh mm -hmm. It's available on Vimeo and we released it really to show people like how how much enslavement still occurs on this planet from the physical slavery like physical human trafficking and sex trafficking and uh, pedophilia mm. and things like this to the actual like okay economic mental slavery spiritual slavery you know are you really awake are you really in in charge of your your experience on this planet or are you basically just being told what to do wear your mask go here stay six feet apart you can't go to work you can't do this you know, it's all the same symptom. It's yeah, disconnecting our, us from our trip. Exactly. Yeah, it's like disconnecting us from ourselves so that we can externalize that, that the, the decision. It's like, hey, if you don't believe in anything, if you're not speaking up for anything, you're going to be speaking up for somebody else's thing or somebody else's yeah. belief system. Yeah, yeah. And that's, yeah, that's like, that's, you asked about like my red pill, but like one of the things that's always interested me since, since I was a kid was just like, what is power? Um, you know, and I love shows like Game of Thrones because they really, you know, they use, they draw upon history 
to kind of to really get you into that realm of like, oh, you think, you know, everyone wants to be the king, right? It wants to sit on that throne, but like, how deadly is that throne? And how mm -hmm. and and what is it to have power? Okay, you're the king, but you don't have the support of this general, and they need to get assassinated, right? Or the bankers, you know, you don't have the support of the bankers. Guess what? You know, you can't do anything. You can't wage your wars. You can't protect yourself, right? Mm -hmm. You don't have the support of the spiritual side. You don't have the support of the, you know, the the Vatican, the whatever, like the spiritual, you know, influencers, right? Well, what's real power then? You know, it's like, yeah, it's so interesting how power works because uh, that's why these guys, I believe, you know, the the elite, the so-called, that have generationally been, you know, educating each other in a sense of like worldview warfare. Really, mm -hmm. that's what like that's what most conspiracies are. They're worldviews. You know, people talk about like the rule of law. It's like, okay, who writes the laws? How do these, you know, what, who's creating the laws? That's the conspiracy right there. So the, those that write the laws are the ones that know how to how to be above the laws. You know, mm -hmm. when you really understand it, it's like that's how the power is, is is wielded, is through creation of laws. And then it's like, okay, so if you if you're using these systems of, you know, I'm creating the treaties, I'm creating the laws or whatever, so that I can I can basically wield power. Um, and you know, then you talk about like finance. It's the same. It's all the same principle, you know, finance, like people buying into like, what is money? Money is just based on a rule of law. There's no actual intrinsic value in that paper, mm -hmm, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. It's not like gold. It's a debt where, vehicle. There's no right? real money. <laughs> right. It's not like gold that like has basically been valued as, 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 as real money, you know, even in our constitution says like, you know, the only real money is gold and silver it's a coin. It's like everything else is just freaking like just paper. So what's, what's valuing it? Oh, well it's, it's laws that were put into place basically saying like, well, you know, it's a promise to pay. That's all mm -hmm. it is, right? A Federal mm -hmm. Reserve note. It's a promise, promissory note. So, you know, but again, like people buy into this system, this dream spell. And uh, that's where I've seen like a lot of the nature of power in my lifetime. It's just like it's dream spells. It's people getting seduced into things into like, okay, well, just, okay, we'll go with that. You know, like I'm going to believe in that, you know, just like in Oz or whatever. Like I'm going to believe in the, the, the wizard. <laughs> yeah. Until you get to that moment of revelation and you're like, oh, wait. And no. then Toto runs behind the curtain, yeah. peels it back, and you're like, oh, it's a little dude that just is shorter than I am. <laughs> and then all of a sudden you're like, okay, wait a minute. I don't have to be afraid anymore. I don't have to believe yeah. anymore. Yeah. Right. That's, that's why I mean, I agree with you so much. I mean, that's I, in, in even in what I teach in my in my uh, courses, we spend four maybe even five weeks on your, your own relationship to transactional energy, your relationship to self, relationship to others, uh, how you view yourself physically in relationship to the systems. Because without that awareness, without that peeling back or letting go of the old beliefs, it's, it's like you can't fill the cup up if it's got a bunch of junk in there. You gotta dump yeah. it out and then, and then be able to see the, the light. Exactly. Um, so uh, I found out by reading your bio that we actually graduated from the same acting studio, Baron Brown oh, yeah. Studios, shout out uh, DW. Uh, <laughs> and, um, you know, I followed that path for myself. I started acting when I was really young. I was 11, 12 years old. And I, I've, around 15, I'd say, is when I became aware of how powerful that uh, entertainment was, how powerful movies were, and how much they can, you know, you can, you can, you can with with a combination of variables of of frequency visuals uh the story the the psychology you can pre essentially present a nice little package of an ideology and normalize that especially if you if you do several uh, uh versions of it so uh, what would you say that that was the reason why you you went down that path because you saw that with what your dad was making and and you wanted to speak out through media and through entertainment um, mm. and is that the best way like is what is the best way to really mm. you know expose what's going on i mean there's so many ways um you know it, it's like media is beautiful because it's fluid it's flexible like there are there are people that are influencing you know millions of people with youtube channels or TikTok videos i mean you know it's just it's the fluidity of the thing that is is what's fascinating i always look at media as um like psycho-spiritual warfare Right. Mm -hmm. What what is it that um, allows one person to gain notoriety and influence millions or billions of people, and, and another person who maybe is you know, talented and has a voice, and, but just doesn't hit that nerve, doesn't connect to that collective consciousness in the same way? 
it's one of those mysteries, right? There is there is some level of manipulation, but you know that's clear. We we know we know there's agendas, right? We know there's gatekeepers, but there's also you know there is this like this collective consciousness that that's that does tra- seem to transcend it, and each of us having our own destiny in this experience. So I don't know that like I would never tell people like there's one way of doing it because obviously we've seen in this time period a lot of the false light, you know, a lot of the stars that. People may have uh, had, you know, uh, idolized in the past, like being revealed for for what they are, and maybe you know just being humanized. You know, it's nothing wrong. Like not every not every star is, uh, you know, on adrenochrome or something. I mean, it's just but saying like, you know, let's <laughs> yeah. like let's let go of like this 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 pedestalizing of people. I think mm-hmm. that's that's very much what this time period is about. It's letting go of the idea that you know it's creating gurus essentially. It's creating you know uh, idols. It's creating you know whatever you know giving people. Uh, privilege or some kind of red carpet i mean it's like no no it's about you know this is the time period for us each each of us to claim our our royalty and to know our worth and so we can we can respect everyone and and you know appreciate what different people offer but um we have to let go of that that less than concept because that's really how um how we've been as humans have been so manipulated when you think about it like how do these things work how does servitude how do you get millions of people to basically become uh, servants of an ideology of a state of uh you know let's say uh, governments that are you know designed to be inefficient and unequal um mm-hmm. you know when like not to say nature is equal but like everyone is is equally created by the same maker and we should all have you know the right to to pursue our our passions and our joys and you think about like how hollywood is supposed to work it's like well, first of all, there shouldn't be gatekeepers. <laughs> it should be really much of a, you know, an opportunity for people to feel free. And and yet, look at how many stars are, you know, the past stars, are afraid of like following their passion and their truth. They're like mm-hmm. so caught up with perception game and and like you know, falling out of favor, right? And oh, and you know, it's like really you go to Hollywood and everything is inverted. Like all this mm-hmm. stuff that's being sold to the the American public, right? About whether it was like the COVID stuff, whether it's the you know, the LGBTQ agenda to kids, like all this stuff, right? Like in Hollywood, all this th- stuff makes perfect sense, right? And if you say anything against it, you're kicked out. Yeah. But then you go it's to like, the rest are of Are you country. PC? Is that you politically yeah. correct? Exactly. You go to the rest of the country, you're like, what the hell are you guys talking about? What are you doing over there? And it's, but it's been an experiment. Like California has been, a, a, it's literally been an experimental zone for 60 plus years. I mean, going back to like the boomer generation, at least, mm-hmm. you know, San Francisco was such a hub, right? Silicon Valley, you know, the hub of, of, of experimentation through computing and and everything that can be designed. We were talking about earlier, you know, for mm-hmm. for influencing people through information. Um, and uh, and that, but you know, even that is connected in many ways the gateways of the portals of the computer and you know the the design of these windows, right? They did come from LSD journeys, right? Steve Jobs was so influenced by his journeys, so it's all reflections of consciousness, and there is something to the experimentation process that Hollywood has been a, a major part of. But I also feel that it's time to like, it's time to basically like chop the tree down so that the seeds can now be, be can, can now fertilize like the rest of the country. Yeah. And yeah. have like many Hollywoods, you know, many, many medias, many studio, you know, systems that are built up and, in every in every state you know every state has its own studio system how about that so that you don't have to go to hollywood if you want to make it you can you know stay home in your own state and tell stories that are resonant for millions of people or whatever thousands of people it doesn't matter it's just like you know we don't have we don't have to like go and try to fit into someone else's vision anymore that's the way i see it Ooh, i you know i love that idea i, I know that there are other studios around the the u.s but um but yeah i imagine having it in every state I know I do know that production companies won't go to the state if the state doesn't give them money. <laughs> I, I've I've heard a lot about that with production companies, um, but I agree. I think the more the more decentralized we are with the way that we present this information and communicate, uh, the better. And we're gonna get we're gonna get a little bit into that a little later with um, with what I'm in, which is blockchain. Uh, but before I do, you mentioned gatekeepers. So, um, I agree with that. I, th- I feel like everything that we, every, I mean, even right here, we're communicating through basically three or four different gatekeepers. 
You got the app. I got my uh, iOS operating system. I have my internet provider. I have Zoom or uh, Riverside here. And so we have all these different layers to be able just to see each other's face and communicate. Um, so would you say that um, for you, for your personal journey, have you had to deal with any censorship from these gatekeepers, like any sort of suppression or, you know, uh, shadow banning or anything like that? Um, you know, we all face gatekeepers and, uh, you know, it's, I think the, the deeper you get into the system, the more sensitive you, you become to it or aware of it. Right. Mm -hmm. And you either go along and figure out your ways your you know, you navigate it or, um, or you go through bouts of being out of favor and out of flavor. Right. Um, but, uh, I, you know, I don't know, like the thing is that often, most of the time you really don't know when people like when people say no, right. And like, cause Hollywood is, is all about rejection, right? Like most, most actors and rename it, like, you know, writers and directors, even like everyone knows, like it's all, mostly about the rejection. You don't know what's behind the no, you don't know if it's because they don't like what you said, they don't like you personally, or they just don't vibe with your idea or your personality or whatever, you know, what you're presenting. You, you don't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, uh, I think that, I think at the end of the day, you, you almost have to, like for me, I've, I'm, I'm actually like this. If I'm not inviting, if, if, if there isn't censorship, if there isn't hate, if there isn't something coming, then I'm not doing something right. You know, that I'm not being too PC or something. Um, so yeah, I, th I think that's uh that's a, g a great perspective. Just, if anything, just keep, keep talking, right. Keep, keep the narrative that are the, the belief that you have, keep it, keep it going out. Um, so, uh, a quick question. Uh, what is your favorite piece of literature that you have? <laughs> I know that's a, that's a very broad question. My favorite, my favorite, like, uh, the my favorite book I've ever read. You <laughs> Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Just because, That's, you know, I want to keep on the theme of, of, of your family and just uh, all the writing that you've done. So I, I'm curious of what would be your favorite book. My my favorite book. I mean, you know, it's like asking someone what their favorite movie is. It's asking. I would say, you know, <laughs> asking someone what your favorite movie or your favorite book is like asking someone what's your favorite memory. Oh, right? yeah. I mean, can you can you real boil yourself down to like, yeah, that was that memory? No, it's like, man, this is the beauty of life is the contrast. You know, it's that it's the it's the fact of you know, great, terrible, and everything in between, but what sparkles at, at a moment of, of insight, right? And so mm -hmm. um, I can't say like, I have a favorite book, I can say that uh, in in my soul, like there's a, a strong resonance with the, the story of Le Miserable. Mm -hmm. And uh, I do, I, I feel like very resonant with with that, with that story. Um, but uh, yeah, maybe that's a theme of, I don't know, it's a, I mean, it's a soul theme. But uh, yeah, I guess I'll share that now because that's what's coming through. Now, tomorrow it might be a different, it will be a different feeling and it'll be a different story. I love, I love that. I love what you just did, which is like, yeah, it's in the moment. If I, whatever the, because I, I go, I don't, I don't use a lot of my intellectual memory when I tap into that kind of, like if somebody were, were to ask me that question, I'm, I'm like, what's the feeling coming up? And then, and then I'm, I'm great that you answered. I'm, I'm happy that you answered it in that way. It was a really good answer. Um, so here's another question. Um, with everything that's happening in society right now, uh, you know, between men and women, uh, the races, the LGBT community, what do you think is actually happening here? Do, do you think that we just need more good men, more good women? Uh, you know, w w why is there such a discord with the agreement of genders and just just uh you know the masculinity to the femininity what's going on well believe it or not i i'm of two minds on this like i'm on everything right like there's the traditional perspective which i honor and i'm like yes there there is masculine and feminine that's there was a a man and a man and woman can never be the same they're like two different species i look at it right so it's like you know, a horse and a donkey, right? Or, you know, or like whatever, you know, a cat and a dog, right? They're like, they're two different species. And, and yet, in a galactic way, I feel like there's something that's happening that is about consciousness evolving. 
And so there, things always move like, you know, it's just like it gets wonky when you're moving in consciousness and you're coming to a place where the masculine and the feminine are, are reestablishing relations in, in, in recognizing like new aspects of themselves. And so, you know, men are meant to become more sensitive and more feminine and women are meant to become, um, you know, in some ways like more directed and they've, they've been doing that right they're more like mm -hmm. they you know they're they're working they're they're more uh they're working outside the home they're more exter exterior you know focused than you know traditionally right they were more focused on domestic life and nurturing and emotional life and things like this so there is this idea of like truth in the male and female recognizing more of each other and that of course is going to manifest in confusion gender confusion <laughs> and then there's the agenda of gender confusion which is like let's tell kids that they don't have a gender based on their biology but now you're going against nature yeah. so when i look at it i'm like okay there's there's a manipulation of a natural order of things the only way that you can achieve that manipulation is in the transhuman agenda which mm. which is the philosophy essentially that man is not necessarily made by God and not necessarily designed in a, in a way that's harmonious and, and, and perfect, you know, in conjunction with conscious evolution. It's the idea that like man's an accident. And so we can perfect him. <laughs> yeah. You're <laughs> just, you're just a machine and we can upgrade you. Exactly. Yeah. And so we're just going to, you know, basically work to, to make you better and work, you know, self-improvement is, is beautiful. And once you start manipulating the genetics, once you start merging yourself with machinery, robotics, looking at yourself as a biocomputer, that's where I think you're going to run into real problems because now you're going against the natural universe. So the way I see it is that there's, there's like, there's these two realities. <laughs> there's the reality of the virtual reality where virtual reality, a, you can be a blonde haired, you know, playboy bunny in virtual spaces <laughs> and you can have an aspect of you maybe that feels that way but guess what in the in the natural world is not going to work <laughs> yeah, so yeah. so the point is that we have many realities kind of at loggerheads <laughs> yeah. you say like a log you know they're they're loggerheads they're kind of they're conflicting and they're working themselves through and so you know, i'm walking around kind of like you know, there's just many different experiences of, of this reality and it's coming to the fore now. And uh, I, I think some of these things are manifestations of soul memory, of, conf you know, soul confusion, of um, maybe like there is, again, there's a definitely a transhuman agenda here because the more you you can have sexual transition, it's becomes like basically impossible for, you know, I don't know, some I guess some people can detransition, but for the most part, I mean, it's like, you're pretty yeah, much it's irreversible. Yeah, you're pretty mostly. much exactly. You're pretty much like on that path. So what's going to change? It's going to change your ability to to procreate. So if you've got an agenda which has been articulated for decades about depopulation, there's too many people on the planet, right? So what's what's one of the best ways to depopulate? Well, let's make all the kids think that they're the other sex, and now like you know, twenty twenty five percent of the kids start doing sex changes, and all of a sudden they can't have kids. Well, what did you just do to the oh. population? Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. I love that you mix, you put all that together. Um, I never really had myself kind of connected the transhumanism, uh, push with, with this side of things with, with the, the gender confusion that's happening, but that makes sense. Yes. Disconnect, our, disconnect ourselves from the multidimensional layers that make up us, keep it one dimensional and then create confusion, create chaos. Mm. And then it's, and then you, and then, you know, you have to choose. Yeah. Um, and we're fighting the wrong things. Like when we're fighting over this, like the things that really matter, it's ultimately, it's a glo it's, it's a government that has no business in our business. Like that's mm -hmm. the way I see it, right? Like really the things that we need to be establishing is our, our sovereignty as men and women. And so ultimately it's like, look, if you as a sovereign being choose to do a gender to change or to dress this way or whatever, like that's your sovereignty. But the idea of the government pushing this agenda, paying for people's sex transitions, I'm sitting there going, okay, great. So the government's going to pay for your sex change. Does the government pay for people to, to heal from cancers or for stem cell surgeries and stem cell treatments and things like this? No. So what's the, does that really make sense to you? And even in Canada, they have the, the MAID program and it's for assisted death. So they, they, yeah. they, they'll pay you to help you die. 
yeah. if you want. Yeah. If you want. <laughs> well, there you go. So that tells you that tells you everything, right? Like yeah. once, what's the agenda? The agenda is, to, you know, is to reduce the population. Yeah, yeah. Um, you mentioned earlier about about um, you know uh, technology, and and I would I would call it escapism. You know, they're 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 normalizing this metaverse. <clears throat> Really, uh, so that people can escape to it and not be in reality or not have to deal with reality. Um, so, you know, I'm the blockchain guy. I do crypto. Uh, so I have to ask your, this question. What is your perspective on blockchain, crypto, Bitcoin, all of that? Yeah, I mean, look, I'm very much, you know, it's all, how do you say, we're playing with, like I talked about earlier, playing with like fiat paper promissory notes, Right. And uh, it's a promise to pay. Well, when are you gonna get? When are you gonna pay it? Mm. <laughs> when is? When are you gonna redeem your your dollars for gold? You're not right. <laughs> so, you know, I'm not like you know. I'm very much whatever systems can work. Um, Bitcoin, I think, was a great model of how these things can work as far as digital currencies are concerned. Um, just like anything, it's it, the biggest the biggest hurdle is just the common acceptance of, of it. Mm -hmm. Right. So that you can start to transact. So you don't have to like, I don't know, Bitcoin has been used for so much trafficking of money laundering and, and human trafficking and really dark stuff, you know, drug trafficking, mm -hmm. things like that, unfortunately. Um, but as like a modality, you know, it makes a lot of sense, right? Like there's a limited amount that's available and the whole mining thing I don't fully get, but Hey, I mean, people obviously work out there, you know, spending a fortune on energy mining, <laughs> mining Bitcoin. Um, and, uh, you know, again, like it's a, you know, why can't, why can't they be traded as a currency? I don't see why not. I think the whole concept of currency is just like, it's like energy. Okay. Well, if you, you know, whatever you want to transact in, you should be able to transact in. Mm -hmm. And, and then, you know, when it comes to blockchain, I just, I love the concept of the transparency of it. Um, as we shift into a, a more holistic approach to, to self-government, to, to you know, to basically to relate human relations to business, all these things like, yeah, we should have have more transparency and then ecosystems that really give back and reward what people put in, so that you know, right? It's the same with Hollywood. I mean, think about like how much of these uh, Hollywood went like went crazy with budgets and things like that, and a lot of it was just paying people exorbitant salaries. And it's like, okay, well, what about just the concept of like? you have a stake in the project, you actually trust that you're gonna get paid because mm -hmm. it's true. Like, you know, most people weren't getting their back end, you know, so they, they had to get paid up front because they're like, I don't trust you're gonna pay me <laughs> on the back end, even if the movie makes a billion dollars, right? So I think the idea of transparency is really important for business so that you can actually take the risk. You can get, you know, paid, you know, a fair a fair salary, good salary, but still like have the, 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 the knowing that you're going in there with a participation to actually profit from the success of the business. So that's where I see like a blockchain and obviously it has many other things that they can offer, but I, yeah. I like that, that principle to it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, just to compound on all of that, it, it I, for blockchain in general, uh, I think it's beautiful. I think it's a beautiful concept. I think, I believe that, uh, it has many intrinsic, uh, variables to it that gives it value and worth. That really is not like it doesn't matter what happens outside of that ecosystem for it to be valuable. Uh, but also, like you mentioned, you can use it for so many other things. It's like uh, it's, it solves transactional businesses. So anything that has to do with transacting or has to do with money, basically, <laughs> it can facilitate that. Um, I'm actually working on a project right now that is actually doing exactly that with the documentary. It's the same team, and I can say this because they they already uh, shared it. But it's the same team that that did Seaspiracy and Cowspiracy. Yeah, uh, they're doing one called Christspiracy now, which is which is about. about uh, have you heard about it? Yeah, like the the diet. Cameron Cameron Waters and um, I forgot that the other guy's name. Like, like focusing on the diet of Christ and like the way of yeah. Christ, right? Like yeah, 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 and how how they were um like when uh, an example he gave me. Actually, I don't want to give that away. But mm -hmm. it all has to do with it all has to do with um, the the murdering of animals and 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 how that was the commerce at the time. And they were sucking it into the religion. And he was like, nope, this is not going to happen. Uh, so it's like this huge shift on perspective of like why Jesus was there doing all the stuff that he was doing. Mm -hmm. But one of the things we're doing, though, is we're using the blockchain to um, create. So we're going to allow people to be a part of the documentary 
like buy into it, raise money through it. And then the, the royalties of it gets distributed through a smart contract. Mm -hmm. So like you, like you mentioned there, uh, how can we trust, you know, for you to give me my royalties in the long run? Well, with blockchain, with these smart contracts, there's no, it's a trustless system. It's going to be, it's going to execute no matter what. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's so many solutions that this thing, that blockchain in general can offer. And I, I believe that the difference is awareness. If you properly use it, it can be used for, for good, for sovereignty. It's a tool. Uh, if you improperly use it, it'll be the easiest thing to track and trace everything you do. <laughs> there you go. And that's, that's exactly what we don't want. Right. Yeah. Um, we want it. We want transparency for business, like for, for basically for business transactions with, with each other, we want transparency for government, right? We don't need the transparency on the other side where they're looking at our privacy. We need yeah. that separation. Yeah, exactly. Proper use. That's, that's the key awareness and education and research and doing the work. Mm -hmm. Um, so before I, I ask that last few questions here, I want to just say thank you again so much, Sean, for, for this time. Uh, I really appreciate it. And I appreciate you and everything that you're doing truly. Thank you. Will. So what a uh, few more questions here. What are some daily self-care practices that help you stay grounded and not be triggered in those emotional moments oh yeah i mean <laughs> i can't say that i that i'm i don't get triggered um <laughs> i would say that uh you know it's a journey and for me the my daily meditation is like a good way to start i love kundalini yoga i love breath work um qigong is another you know mm. just connecting to the energy mm -hmm. of your being it's uh, bringing self-pleasure and self-care into our existence is so important. Uh, you know, it's like we really just have to, to appreciate this body and, you know, not just like working out and doing like the hard stuff, but also just like just being good to ourselves, to our body, giving ourselves that love, you know, that petting ourselves, right? It's just like, yeah, you know, this self -care is... Self-care is not selfish. Exactly. It's not, we have, it's, it's an inversion of people like have been taught so much about the external existence, right? Doing good to others, being good to others. But the problem is that they haven't been good to themselves, so they can't be good to others. Mm. And it's like the more we're good to ourselves, as we know, like what happens? We're mm. nice. <laughs> when we're in a good mood, what do we do? We're nicer to others. When we're in a yeah. bad mood, we're terrible to others. So it's, it really a, it's a, it's a mirror and a magnet. All right. Mm. <laughs> Mm -hmm. We gotta, we gotta, uh, is, uh, I always tell this to my students, the reality that you live is who you become. Like the reality is going to be who you become. If you become the thing you want, the reality will happen. Mm. Exactly. Exactly. Just so with everything, oh, say that again, I'm sorry. Embody it. Like yes. one of the, like one of the things I was, I was, I was so shocked, um, by this, by, I was, uh, Peter Joseph, who created the Zeitgeist, he uh, he put a Chomsky quote up on his Instagram, right? And I said, you know, so Chomsky, the guy that says that unvaccinated people should be isolated from society and quarantined from society. And he said to me, he said, uh, people are nothing. I, they're just vehicles for ideas. Oh, wow. I said, I said, that's completely dissociated because this is an embodied experience. Yeah. And if you really think that like, that we're just vehicles for ideas, then you've basically chopped your head off and put it in a box. <laughs> That's such an interesting perspective or like um, share there because actually Zeitgeist was my red pill moment. <laughs> that was my red I pill moment when I watched that movie. movie. I interviewed him years ago and I like, I just, we, I, I think we like went on different, different directions ideologically. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, it's like, it's really interesting to see how people are get very in their heads you know, and they're like, they're very like deep thinkers or philosophers, but they're just like, they're just in their heads and they're not in the embodied experience. And it's, this is what we were talking about before in the head space, it's all possible, right? But it never fills until you come into the heart space. It's like, then you're, then you're connected to everything in the head space. It's just like, it's just endless labyrinths and, you know, journeys and dreams and that, you know, whatever, like it's all possible, but you're never going to get to that place until you come to the heart space. There's no true manifestation. If you don't embody, if you don't bring it down and actually allow it to, to, to fill that, that space. I mm -hmm. agree. Wow. That's, that's, I'm wow. 
good. I'm, I'm so happy you shared that because, like I said, Zeitgeist was one of my first uh, pivotal moments in reality and like becoming aware of everything. And then Loose Change was the next one about 9 11. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, yeah, it, it's interesting. Yeah, if you can get you can get you can get stuck in the intellect and 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 you know, uh, 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 waste your energy on thinking of all the possibilities that could ever, ever exist. And sure they can all exist, <laughs> but which one do you want? Which one are you embodying and becoming? And that's the reality that's going to actually happen. There you go. Uh, so last question here, you have a few minutes to speak to millions of people. What do you leave them with? <laughs> I leave them with themselves. You know, that's the beauty of life. It's really, it's your journey. Every one of us, it's our experience there. Um, you know, there's no external reality. It's your perception of it. It's your embodied experience of it. It's your feeling of it, right? You, you know, you don't like something. It's like, okay, maybe was it, what is it bringing up for you? What is it reminding you of? What, you know, where is it taking you? It's inside of you, right? You like something. Okay. What, you know, great. What is, what is it reflecting about yourself or, you know, or what you want more of? Trust that, trust the inner guidance, trust the inner, that inner knowing. And, um, yeah, allow yourself to be guided. That's, that's all I can offer. Just, I'm not here to tell anyone what to do. You're not here to tell anyone what to do. We're not trying to seek that position of power over. And, uh, anyone who is trying to manipulate or influence or tell you what to do, it's like, be careful, beware of those false prophets. Hmm. Yes. Thank you for that. I agree a hundred percent. Trust your gut, <laughs> trust yourself. Uh, cause that's the, that's the only one that matters. That's the only person, individual and, and information that really matters. Cause that's yeah. the effect that's going to have on your life. Thank you so much, Sean. This was a powerful interview. I really appreciate it. Uh, is there anything that you want to leave everyone with or plug something? I'll just plug them. Uh, yeah. I guess I'll plug them to my, uh, Sean Stone info, my website. Um, that's got the links to like best kept secret docuseries, my other documentaries, my books. Um, yeah, you know, I think that's the place that's the portal. Yeah. And make sure you also check out his Instagram. You're, you're constantly on there posting stuff. Uh, it's the real Sean stone, right At, on Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. But Perfect. again, like it all links Sean stone info has got links to all the social media. So, so that those that use Instagram or Facebook or whatever, you know, yeah, Twitter, right. It's all linked through there. Perfect. Awesome. Thank you so much. I really appreciate this. And I want to leave one last thing with everyone. Always remember, gamify your abundance. And I'll see you guys next time.